Welcome back to another episode of Life's But a Song, a podcast that likes to live in the land of musicals. I'm your host, John, and with me today are my very special guests from last episode. He is a West Coast-based actor turned jack-of-all-trades, and she is a West Coast-based actress, and they together host a podcast called My Favorite Flop. It's Bobby Traversa and Christina Miller-Weston. Woo! we're back you're back to talk about season two of zoe's extraordinary playlist yay more zoe more fun more yes (laughs) so last episode for you the listener we recorded a few months ago so it's been a we had to catch up on this season if we repeat stuff about season one i'm not sorry Sorry, not sorry. Not sorry at all. Listen to the Demi Lovato song. Sorry, not sorry. Exactly. Uh, So Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist Season 2 was still under the, under Austin Winsberg's, like, creation and everything. First episode aired January 5th, 2021. And last episode aired May 9th, 2021. Oh, wow. Yeah, it didn't seem like, well, they did take like a two-week break in the middle there, but it's only 13 episodes, so didn't yeah, seem... Yeah, it's always been a short season. Even season one was like that. Season one, I believe, was 12 or 11, yeah. so... I'm just, I'm so used to This Is Us land, where it's like a million episodes, <laughs> and they take so many breaks, and it's like, we're taking five weeks off. Oh, just kidding. Now we're taking two. Well, that's because for some strange reason in Los Angeles, in the land of Hollywood and television, they do eight day weeks. So at no point, like there will come a point where you have to catch up with yourself because of the way production runs. Why they do that, couldn't tell you. I mean, sitcom doesn't work like that. Sitcom is a five day week. But anything that's not sitcom is an eight day episode week. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. But God only knows how they did this one, because clearly they filmed during COVID. So Yeah, no, and filming during COVID is very different. How did you feel that they didn't, like, talk about COVID? It was interesting, because I could tell. So I had also heard somewhere, and that actually might have been from Christina, um, that uh, the budget had gone lower on season two as well. But I could tell there were less outside shots. There were less um, locations that weren't the office and Zoe's house uh, in the apartments. You know what I mean? Um, so I think, you know, for a casual viewer in five years, are they going to be like, oh, that was COVID. That was COVID time. Um, I think for any of us who lived through it, that has that recollection, I, it feels different than season one for sure. There's definitely a more containedness to it than the first season. Yeah, and you also have things like you have more of just the family sequences. You have less guest stars. You know, definitely no co-stars. Everybody is either like a reoccurring guest star or Or a series regular. Right, because especially since they shoot this in Canada, people, the cast has to get there, quarantine for two weeks, and then shoot 
and shooting just takes longer in COVID because of all of the protocols in place, not to mention the constant testing. And if one person in the main cast tests positive for COVID, then you have to stop filming, you know, all of those things. I don't know that that happened on this show, but that is something that has occurred in others. It's interesting that you bring that up because I I read on IMDb, so grain of salt, everyone. (laughs) Lauren Graham was filming this season and the Mighty Ducks series at the same time, but somebody on the Mighty Ducks tested positive for COVID and she had to be written out of the show. Yeah, I mean, out of this Zoe, not Mighty Ducks, because I think she plays like the lead in that one. Oh, friend, (laughs) I I haven't at all. I watched the entire thing every day, every week when it came out. I sat and watched Mighty Ducks because I'm a 90s kid and the Mighty Ducks. Arma Jam. You no wanted to be here. a Mighty Duck. I wanted to be a Mighty Duck so bad. They did have women on the team. Oh. Yeah. In the sec in in the first one. In the even. first one. Why do you yeah. think Christina attached to it so badly? <laughs> and ironically, like grown up Christina ended up in acting class with one of the Mighty Ducks and yeah, lost you did. her shit. Yeah, you did. Yeah, I did. Back to Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. Uh, A quick recap for season two. Zoe is lost and depressed after after her father passed away in season one, but has Max and Simon vying for her love, and she gets a promotion. Hooray! Mo and Max start a new business together where one can order takeout from anywhere and have it delivered to a local restaurant. Maggie starts the season off dealing with like the paperwork that comes along with your husband dying, your partner dying. Um, But then she picks up her life at the end of the season by like going out and working and everything. And then David and Emily are dealing with a newborn and we're introduced to Emily's sister, Jenna, who apparently they don't like her. (laughs) One of my questions that I wrote down was... Who was better for Maggie, Jenna or Deb? Because we have the return of Deb this season. <laughs> we and that clearly... and the return of Deb is just spectacular. <laughs> it, it is, but to me, so for anyone who doesn't know, Deb is Miss Bernadette Peters. That to me felt like that was clearly in a real season. That would have been one, maybe two episode arc for that character. But they clearly inserted her as many as they could because of COVID protocols. They stretched out that story. Yeah. A little I, bit. I actually think that they could have gone deeper with the Deb story. Oh, sure. I, you know, I feel like they skirted a lot of things because, especially like when you get later into the season and she's with Deb at the casino and all of that storyline. Right. I actually like that's when I really attached to Deb because you, it was just, it was more genuine storytelling in that moment. And Bernadette, you know, you could see her be more comfortable. I mean, as Bobby texted me earlier about Bernadette singing Rihanna. Yeah, well, Bernadette singing cheap thrills. Mm-hmm. She doesn't need dollar bills to have fun tonight, and I was oh, a little bit uncomfortable. <laughs> and then, and then, Bernadette Peters and Mary Steen Virgin duet "Rich Girl" by um, that was the Stefani. most awkward. <laughs> 
<laughs> I couldn't even know. <laughs> I, I texted a friend who I did Fiddler on the Roof with oh, a decade ago at this point. She was Hava and I was model. And I was like, because we always joke about who should be in Fiddler at some point. And I was like, well, clearly Bernadette needs to play Tevya in the revival now because <laughs> yeah. like, this was her audition. Like, give us Tevya, Bernadette. Um, I actually think that um, uh, Emily's sister was better. And I wish they would have explored that plot line more. I don't like mm -hmm. that at the end, it was Mary Steenbergen's character being like, I'm ready to date other men. I feel like that's so cliche. Like, of course, you're going to have the widowed wife be like, I'm open to new love. I would have rather explore her being like, look, I can, ex I can still be of an older age and have a career and find you know my passion in that and my strength alone you and know, also find someone to mentor like that was what was right. really interesting about that relationship is the way individually they were mentoring each other you know yeah, they, they had great energy with each other where like jenna was able to call out what's his name being like he's hitting on you right and then mary steenberger was like oh let's not annoy your sister today haha right. so I wish well, and giving just... her a purpose as well. Like she finally found something that she was great at. I think that's why I was sad when she like her storyline then was written to the end because I was like, no, but she just figured out what she was good at and what she liked doing. And now she's not there to do it. Why? Yeah. <laughs> I hate to even jump there right now, but it felt like they were leaving her open for season three, which I don't know if you've read. Yeah. As no, of season three. June 2021, it was canceled by NBC. And then about a month ago, the cast was released from their contracts. Oh, no. So... Yeah, but they're petitioning, they're petitioning for one of the streaming networks to pick it up. Yeah, they, um, they're shopping. So... It's so weird, though, that like NBC, uh, NBC dropped a lot of shows that were, right. I guess more people were going for the streaming than the television and i don't know why they didn't just like move these shows to their streaming service it it's fascinating because if you look at the parallels with smash they only gave it two seasons and smash had a rough season two right it it was smash finding was rough from the get well yeah. okay that's yes. a, that's another he's, he's covered these <laughs> but you know it became a different show and it was trying to find its footing and i think i think that on another network it could have at least tried a, a season three. And I feel the same for Zoe because Zoe, you know, the arc of season one was she's dealing with this trauma of her dad and season two, you know, you, you see her recover from that kind of, it's kind of an overarching theme throughout, but also her relationships and other people. It would have been interesting to see where season three went, honestly, because yeah, they end uh, on such a cliffhanger. <laughs> I mean, they do because we don't know if, Ooh, should I spoil it? Like, are we there Let's yet? Let's get there. Or... Let's get there. We're going to spoil. Okay. Well, spoiler ahead for those of you who have not seen it. I know it's still new, right. but like you had time. So yeah. go yeah, and go you, and watch we it. We gave you a couple months. All right, people. We, we gave you some time. But, and what was, what were people doing earlier this year, but binge watching shows on, mm -hmm. on Netflix and Hulu. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so. Max begins to hear heart songs, but we don't know if Zoe is done hearing heart songs. We we don't know that yet. Yeah, but like, she's certainly singing them still because Max is hearing her heart song, although they're duetting together and they're both aware that they're duetting. 
So it's like it's it's a very loose cliffhanger, right? It's because... very loose. And I was very excited to find out what happened. And so when they were like, it's not coming back, I was like, I will I will cut a bitch. Yeah. And like, <laughs> I, don't have, I, I, I think it needs a full season. I can't yeah. see it being like a two hour movie or something. It needs, <laughs> like, give me at least 10 episodes. Like, it doesn't right. have to be 13. Just give me 10 episodes. This way you can streamline the story to. Well, you... look, this happened with Lucifer and I was a huge fan of Lucifer and it, it, and it got taken off the network. Right. And Netflix, because it was so popular when it would like the season would be over and it would go on to Netflix and it would be number one in the world, you know, and Netflix picked it up and Lucifer still has an ongoing life with okay. netflix i think it's on its sixth season now wow. which is crazy so it would be great if another streaming service even something like hulu like hulu is doing their own stuff now as well you know and it's a great place for it to live it it lives in that because hulu is owned by disney for anyone who doesn't know um that was a part of the acquisition with fox i know too much about all of this um but <laughs> But you know, like Hulu, Hulu is now owned by Disney, and it's supposed to become the adult Disney Plus. Is right. basically what they're going for, and Zoe fits that. And then you don't have to like keep zooming out her words. I mean, well, it's still fun, though. I, it is funny. Yeah, I, I think cute, that's really cute fun. and fun. Yeah, but like the, even NBC has has Peacock, their own streaming service, where season one of Zoe's extraordinary playlist currently lives. Well, and I watched so. I watched season two on there, and I will tell a fun fact because I doubt I'm not going to make assumptions, but um, you know I I don't make money playing online poker and things like that to use my brain, but I do game the credit cards for points. And um, <laughs> <laughs> last month, the Amex Platinum card released a bunch of very useless perks for the high annual fee, and one of them is that you can get Peacock for free every month and all of the members are like who pays for peacock well now all the amex people get it for free so they should be taking that amex money that they're getting nbc and making a season three of zoe's that's yes! where it uh, I can go alongside girls four five ever like <laughs> they're two very different shows and they're both musical just put them by the stupid anyway. and then the save by the bell reboot yeah mm -hmm. uh which is a mess but the, there we are <laughs> So the songs this season, there was such a wide range of songs that we talked about. Um, but apparent, so I'm one of those people that buy them on iTunes because I'm an idiot and like to waste money on stuff like that, even though I don't have a subscription to whatever. Anyway, I can only find 10 of them that are not available wow. out of okay. all the songs. And that's surprising because there's one of them that I kind of wanted and that was opposites attract, but it's not available. Oh, that makes it makes sense because of how it's performed. But they should have recorded a studio version of that. Yeah, that one was really that was really well done. There was a lot of the music aside from the Bernadette Peters stuff, um, <laughs> which just makes me sad because we all know Christine is a massive fan of Bernadette and has seen pretty much everything she's done. For the most part, a lot of the musical numbers and arrangements were really just beautiful this season. One of my favorites was, well, we, we should probably wait to get to that. Anyways, where are we going next? Well, well to jump, kind of jump off of you, we got more Alice Lee. 
this season. I, and I loved that. I was I just mean, about to go there. Yeah, let's go there. She she got to sing like I think she I think she sang like one or two songs season one. And yeah, this right. one she has like ten. So Well, in this season she was a series regular. She got a bump up, which is great. I think I remarked this in last week's episode, just trying to remember it was a couple months ago. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I had seen her in Heather's Off-Broadway. I had opinions of her as a musical theater performer. I had also seen her in the Bear Revival. Uh, and I remember remarking just how I didn't even know it was her when season one was happening of Zoe. But she had so little to do as being one of the people with legit like New York theater credits. She was one of the less sung people in the first season. And I was so glad to see her not only get a lot more to do, but it is so different than her musical theater career. Like it is not Heather Duke. It is not uh, whatever the new character they invented for the Bear Revival was. Um, she was really allowed to be a mature woman complex woman not only acting wise but the way she sung and the songs they chose for her i i loved yeah. what they did with alice lee this season yeah all of her stuff really spoke to me because for those who don't know i'm a newish mom um i had a baby in covid and i dealt with postpartum depression i was officially diagnosed in the fall of last year and it felt exactly like how they wrote it in the show that is exactly what it was and you feel just like I mean when I was watching it and when the episode ended um on the the one where like she breaks down in the nursery with Zoe I don't remember the name of that song but when she breaks down I Stephen my husband turned to me and was like is that how it feels and I was like dead on dead on how it feels that's exactly what it is and it was so moving and I've never felt so seen in my life than when I saw Alice Lee perform the way she did so that you're talking about her transitioning from Rosanna to anyone yeah that's the name of the song which that's another one that I wish they had that available but because it, it, it was beautifully done and like I don't have a child but like watching that performance I was just like saw the emotion and I started tearing up at that point <laughs> I was like oh no here yeah. comes the waterworks too soon too soon to the series <laughs> and also like I just really would like to as actor to actor to Alice Lee her work on that one shot and moving between those two songs and those two very different emotions I once, when I was doing Wild Party, I had uh, a producer, a film producer friend of mine who came and saw it. And afterwards he looked at me, he's like, wait, so in musical theater, you get maybe a lyric to turn your emotions. You don't like, and I was like, yes, that's normal. That's what we do. Hmm. And he was like, I had no idea. Holy cow. And like all of a sudden his respect level for what it is that musical theater actors do especially in really dramatic pieces right and the fact that we have to switch from a comedy to this dramatic moment in a second like that's our job um because you can't just live in the slit your wrist place for two and a half hour musical you know you have to be able to switch between the two and that's part of the art so huge shout out to alice lee for doing that so seamlessly and so beautifully eloquent i mean like i'm her new newest biggest fan after that because it was just stunning, stunning work. And I, you won't get the recognition because it's 
Zoe's and that's how this industry works. But I would like to give her that recognition. I, I want to put a pin on that episode for a second, but like, I want to ask, did it seem like a lot of the songs were recorded live at the time, especially that one? Like that mm. moment, it felt like it wasn't a track that she was singing to. It felt like she was actually singing that song during the take. And it felt like that for a couple other ones that I don't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, we spoke about this, I think, on the first one, where it seemed like the more raw moments that are musical, they allowed the producers, the directors, they allowed them to sing live you know, and allowed them to be raw and not sound, not be perfect and all of the things that just make that kind of performance beautiful. I really appreciated that. So no, I think that, I think it was a mix, like it was in season one where there's a mix between like fully produced sound and um, live sound in the, in the shooting. Right. Um, Cause I would be very surprised if that was tracked. What they may have done, actually, Johnny, is they may have done a mix, you know what I mean, in post. So you you still mm. record it, but then you do, you you then like mix a... the sounds together. So that way, if there is a moment that's like not understandable because she's too emotional, but you want that shot, you can mix in that pre-recorded sound. They may have done that. I don't know that for sure, but that's a possibility. Because like in that one episode, the penultimate episode, I believe it is, when... It's the giant flashback of I love her, that word. the penultimate. Yeah, I love penultimate. <laughs> yeah, where it's Zoe trying out for like sort of auditioning to get the job at Spark Point. Oh yeah, there was a lot of not pre-recorded songs in that one. Right, mm. I think all of them. It sounded like all of them were shot live, even "Shut Up and Drive." Unless again, shut like you were saying, "Shut Up and like it was." a mix of I mean, you know i think it depends on the the performer i don't know if Mar any of mary steenbergen's material was sung live on set and if it was i don't think the audio we're hearing is live but i mean with the alex newells the skylar astons uh the um you know michael thomas grant you know these are all people with legitimate theater credits and especially that flashback episode when skylar aston and michael thomas were uh singing the um thinking out loud yes uh i think that was all live it sounded it didn't sound produced in my ear but well it's also not available on itunes <laughs> and i think maybe well, that's, maybe where that's you can what tell. it is yeah yeah like the live ones are the ones that possibly well, yeah because uh they were rise up don't cry out loud take me out to the ball game slash i'll make love hmm. to you sex and <laughs> can't <one. laughs> that was <laughs> Sex and Candy, Watermelon Sugar, The Climb, and Dream a Little Dream of Me. Except for maybe Sex and Candy and Watermelon Sugar, the rest of them seem like they were recorded on set live. Yeah, because you couldn't record a band like that. Like, that would all oh. have been mixed, you know? How do you guys feel about how they treated Zoe this season? Rough. I really hated the first three episodes. And I think that's because it was still trying to figure out what the show was now that dad is gone. Yeah. Like, what is the story we're trying to tell? So the first three episodes back, I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, but then it kind of figured itself out. I like that it was that they wanted to go in the direction of it being more of an ensemble piece. I think that's the right way to go. 
and I appreciated that a lot, but I really disliked that whole like stargazing night. And that I was like, what's happening, friends? I, my thought was, is they incorporated her into a lot of other people's stories. And I liked their stories. I liked, like, mm-hmm. I liked Max's mm-hmm. journey. I liked Simon's journey. I liked Moe's journey. I liked these journeys that the other characters she was involved with were taking, but I didn't love that her journey involved in all of these people i i hated that at the end it was still about her deciding which boy it, you know and yeah. i like i really was hoping especially losing lauren graham and having her become the boss of the fourth floor i really would have liked to see more of a personal journey with her career and of course you know her relationships with other people but i would have loved to see that resolve in a much stronger way for her as a person that mm. I don't think we got to see. And I do like that they brought in the flashback episode and to find out that she didn't actually, can we spoil alert? Like spoiler oh, alert. We, we already yeah, did okay. that earlier. So. All right. That she, she didn't initially get the job. You know what I mean? Which I think is all the more empowering to see what she's accomplished despite that. So I don't, I don't hate that they brought that in, but I hate that at the end they tie it back to her being with max that that entire moment in that entire sequence was really about her realizing she was in love with max and not finding her power as a woman in the tech world which i was like what what story are we telling here yeah because it just felt felt like every episode was like zoe tries this facet of her life yeah and it felt like like she turns 30 this year i get it that like you know, with the return of Saturn and everything, you're stumbling through life. And obviously she just lost her dad and she needs to figure out like what her life is after that. But like, I felt like it w- they were writing for a younger character, like a teenager or something, where they're trying to figure out what their personality is. Not somebody who's supposed to run a company. <laughs> I mean, I I remember turning 30. It wasn't that long ago. Um, and um, feeling feeling like I was between those two worlds, right? Like between the world of like, I should be an adult and I still feel like I'm 12. Right. And I don't know what this middle ground is or how to find that. And I do appreciate that they attempted to tell that story. Again, I think the issue is that unfortunately it's still being show run by a man and you your central character is a woman and a woman in a world that is dominated by men right so like i think that it's going to be difficult no matter who the man is that's writing that story it's going to be difficult for them because they don't actually understand it and losing lauren graham and Renee Elise Goldsberry, who was just gone with a line of dialogue in one episode yeah with... that was disappointing by the I way she really quit hoping. But like to lose these two women of power in the company, but also strong actresses and, and female figures, they didn't replace them with anybody, you know? And yeah. I think that we have COVID to blame for those two things. Sure. Because both of them were working on other shows. And I I do know that they had problems with like transmission on uh, on Mighty Ducks, but it was my understanding that Lauren Graham was never going to be back for Zoe season two because of Mighty Ducks. Oh, okay. They were going to, I think that the idea was they were going to try and have her in a couple of episodes because she's films them both in Canada, but then because of COVID, they couldn't cross contaminate sets. 
right? And same with Renee. She was doing Girls 5 Ever and filming roughly at the same time, but in New York. And there was no way that she could come and go between the two places with COVID, you know? So I think that, unfortunately, that's part, like, even just to hark back to Mighty Ducks, for those who don't know, there was an episode where all of the original ducks came back, except for... I can't even tell you it was the most glorious thing in the world, um, except for a couple of them, one of them being Joshua Jackson, because he had just had a baby and mm. he couldn't leave for a month because of quarantining, like needing to quarantine right. for the two weeks or whatever, um, and leave his poor wife and baby, right? Like that wasn't a thing that could happen, unfortunately. And any other time, it probably would have happened just fine it's one of those things where like it makes it really difficult to do guest stars because of all of these extra parameters. So you're going to like Bobby was mentioning with Bernadette, you're going to stretch those out and you're going to get the most bang for your buck because you can't like anyways. So I think unfortunately there's a lot of things that were at the will of society at large or like the reality of the world that unfortunately hit Zoe's. I was kind of hoping that they were going to talk about COVID because that would have been interesting. Like, especially, I don't know. That would have been a whole other layer of things that they would have had to deal with. Deal with. So how did you, which of the new characters slash guest stars, I guess we'll call them, did you guys like? So you've got George, right. uh, played by Harvey Guyen. Is that how you say his last name? I think it's Guyen. I actually went to college with him. Shockingly. Oh. Uh, and then you have Jenna, G. Young Han, Mackenzie, who was the uh, lead female programmer that they added. Oh, yeah. She was weirdo. I liked her. <laughs> Morgan Ta- Taylor Campbell is the actress. Roger, the creepy guy that asked Maggie out. And then when she rejected him, he right. was a straight white right. man. Tatiana Morris, the reporter, played by oh, Alvina right. August. I thought she was going to have a bigger role. Like, I thought she was going to be more involved um, yeah. and it really be more of a choice for, um, oh, what's what's the other boy? Simon. John Clarence Stewart. Simon. Yes, Simon. Um, for him to choose between Zoe and, and the reporter. But that didn't really seem to happen. It kind of fizzled out. Anyways, keep going. Uh, then we have Aiden, the next door neighbor, played by Felix Mallard. Who was who is Australian? <laughs> he is Australian. He I like also... how they just justified that being like, oh, the Australian neighbor's back. <laughs> it, you know what's funny about that is he is in a show on Netflix called Jenny and Georgia, and he plays American in that. Oh, and so I was like, why did we need to justify his? He's he can do American okay. It's not he... terrible. He was also in the Netflix young adult show Lock and Key, where he plays an American as well. Right! No, I I thought he was an odd addition. I really actually liked his relationship with Zoe's brother. Yeah. But then they sang that one song and it was like, ooh. (laughs) Yeah, then he got creepy. It was weird. And him and Noah and Zoe getting high. That whole sequence was really funny to me because um, my my husband knows Noah, so like that was just like such a strange one. Ugh. I actually did not. I have this in flats, but I'll say it now. I did not like Zoe that episode. 
because that was the start of their conversation about people of color in the tech industry. And I don't like how she was written. I don't think I like how she was written at all this season now that I think about it. Well, here's a question. Because the way I saw it, I actually appreciated that they took their central character and made her have to face her white privilege and her her um, white supremacy, which we all naturally have because we are privileged. Um, and I actually found that really interesting. I thought that was a really bold choice. Um, and I, I appreciated it, even though it makes her unlikable because you watch mm. her making the wrong decision, but I And she did... knows it's the wrong decision too. Yeah, and it, I'm what I'm hoping it did, and I, I don't know what their intentions were, but what I'm hoping it did was actually like make people think because it's a really great way to hold a mirror up, you know? Oh. If you were in this situation, you're watching her make this choice and you know it's uncomfortable, but would you make the same one? I don't know, because it felt like what we've been presented of Zoe from season mm. one and up to that moment, it felt like she was a little more liberal when it comes to certain things. And I think she was asking the wrong questions that episode and it was unlike her. It was too forced. Yeah. If, if it felt like, cause like that one scene where she's talking to Mo about how she has to talk to Simon right. from the board and everything. And Mo was like, you're not, you're seriously not asking your one black friend how to talk to your other black friend. I was just like, I don't think Zoe would do that. I feel like Zoe has a little, is a little more grounded. And yes, I know she's supposed to be a little wishy-washy this season, but like something serious like that at, at work, she seems to be a little more grounded at Sparkpoint than outside. I was glad that the show did the episode because I, I do think up until that point, the show really treated diversity with the exception of, of speaking of feminism and the lack of women in the office space and sort of addressing the misogyny up until that point. It almost lived in this like, because to I, I, you know, I was glad that they went there with Tobin because I was a little afraid when they did that, like, let's have this town you know, this um, town square, this, you know, round table talk in the middle of square point. And he's like, yeah, racism sucks. I'm like, are, are we not going to address that? It is for the most part, a very straight white male dominated space, but there are, there are some different, you know, oppressed minority groups. Is this going to become a larger, you know, um, conversation? And I was worried that it wasn't, and I'm glad that they kind of went there, but that said it's before this episode, I feel like, they kind of skirted over LGBT and ethnic and race issues completely on the show throughout mm -hmm. all of season one and up until this point in season two. It's almost like they presented this world where these issues, these problems don't really exist, yes. you know, yeah. um, which I'm glad they addressed it, but I don't know if they addressed it enough. You know what I mean? Like they presented Zoe in a very unlikable way, which like Christina said, it kind of holds up a mirror to a lot of, liberal white women who I think think that they are fighting the good fight, but still, as all of us do, have a lot of work to do. Well, and it's also really hard in those moments when it's it's basically about saying, okay, I'm going to step down from my position of power and allow someone who would never get the shot to step into that position of power, right? And that 
is a real conversation happening at, in a lot of corporate America right now that is really difficult for people to do because in your universe, you've worked really hard to get there. And the idea of actually having that much humility and grace to then say, I got here and I worked my butt off, but also I have white privilege and that is how I got here. And being able to say, I'm going to do what's best for the person standing next to me instead of for myself. I mean, that's really hard. That's really hard conversations to have with yourself. And the fact that they brought it up and the fact that they started the conversation, I don't know that they went as far as they could have gone with it. I think they went as far as they could within the subject matter of their show. Um, but I think that was really brave. And I mean, they're kind of having a similar conversation right now on the good fight. If anyone watches it, um, and it's, it's hard. It's hard because the audience is always rooting for both Christine Baranski and Audra McDonald, just like here, you're rooting for Zoe and for Simon and, and for wanting Mm -hmm. to see that change. But then at the same time, that means someone has to lose. right? Right. Or in the way that general the common society views it is someone has to lose i do like that speech that he gives at the end of that first episode Mm. of this little arc that they give and if i remember correctly i think they took a break in between that episode and then the next one but um and then that's a lot whinier and what zoe's a lot whinier which drove me nuts one of you said it that like they were expanding it into like more of an ensemble piece rather than just about her and i don't know maybe if they do a season three like it'll just be uh, hopefully it'll just be an ensemble show where zoe and max are figuring out what the fuck is going on between them and the powers but like everyone else gets like a minute to shine and it seemed it also seems like they were building up things other than that storyline so, like, at the end, you see Simon with that company run by people of color, mm. and he was going to be in charge of it. And clearly, like, you know, they're three stand-ins or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, like, they were yet-to-be-cast people, and it seemed like that was going to go somewhere. And yeah. then... Well, they purposely this... didn't show their faces so that that could be three guest stars next season that's what i was yeah that's what i'm saying like they're obviously gonna figure something out to be like these are the guest stars that are coming in yeah it's just it's it's just it's so upsetting that they canceled i would have i would have loved to have mo and her evolve into because because i i hate that it took until this point to point it out but i'm glad that it did i just wish it was explored more I mean, she basically relies on Mo to be her emotional clutch. And I know that Alex Newell goes by he, his, on top of all the pronouns, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. um, he really, in this series, in that character, he allows himself to stand in for the role that, oh, so many Black women stand in for in everybody's lives. I mean, most change and most you know, fights regarding all peoples, whether it's the LGBT community, whether it's, you know, general women's rights, whether it's anybody, it's always strong black women who are there and being the leaders of these things and being the strong figures. And Mo is this pillar. Like she is the one who Zoe goes to all of her problems with. And, you know, yes, she called her out on it. Are you really going to talk to your one black friend about, 
you know, your little bit of a Karenness, but it's it's bigger than that because Zoe does rely on her, and there I think is a a touch of you know even if it's subconscious on the most base layers of why does she go to Mo because Mo is this archetype of a strong black woman. You know what I mean? Even though Mo is goes by male pronouns. You know what I mean? Like yeah. let's explore why. And how Zoe can make that relationship better because it's not a perfect relationship. And you can tell Mo is not happy with it sometimes. You know, it's not an even relationship that they have with each other. And I wish in a season three we could explore that. That would be. Well, and now that you've brought up Mo, because yes and Bobby, I completely agree with that sentiment. I loved the conversation that they had between Mo and his. Harry? Yeah. With his new beau. And that conversation was fascinating. And I was so excited. I don't know. I mean, maybe I just haven't been watching the right shows, but I don't know that I've seen that kind of conversation about the LGBTQ community and, you know, the multiple facets of being LGBTQ in whatever way you are a part of the community. But like that conversation was so fascinating and complicated. And I'm really happy that. They went there with it and that they had that conversation and there's so much more to explore within it. And also when his child broke out into Bruno Mars in that one episode, mm-hmm. absurd. That was the most absurd thing I'd ever seen in my life. And that kid's a star. I mean, what so the crap? That kid's name is Rocco Morris. Rocco Morris, that. sir. Not that I matter, but you are a star. <laughs> and, and then there's also Rosanna Williams played by Katie Finley. Finlay? Whoa, I don't know if yes. I pronounced the last name. But I think you're right, Finlay. She was great this season too, I feel like. Yeah, I think there were really strong figures. I would think with her character and with the character um, who played Simon's foil, you know, the I, I don't Tatiana? Yes, Tatiana. I wish that both of them had gotten more time to have more fleshed out characters. I think I <laughs> to the detriment of this, you know, back and forth between Zoe and these men, I don't think it allowed either of those people to have bigger characters because it they couldn't allow either character to go far enough with Simon or with Max. You know what I mean? Because they had to reserve that for the main Zoe plotline. It's, yeah. it's unfortunate that like this season fell under like, we have to do something with our titular character. Right. And obviously she has to be important in every episode. But it also felt welcomed when there were scenes without her entirely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like that's that one scene with Maggie and Jenna just going on a walk and figuring out like how Jenna can help Emily and and the baby and everything. I was just like, this is more, I want more of this. Jenna was probably my favorite guest character all season. I was very sad to lose her. I am, I 100% agree. And I hope she comes back. I did like, I mean, there were moments where I did like George. But he felt a little whiny at times. Yeah, I got excited because I enjoy him on what we do in the shadows. And again, I hardly know the guy, so I don't have personal opinions about him whatsoever. But I do enjoy him a lot on what we do in the shadows and um, was excited, but also a little confused to see him on this because he's on another series. So I was like, is he going to stay all season? And lo and behold, he didn't. But I thought they were finally going to, you know, as awesome as it is seeing the LGBT storylines with Mo, we don't see them at all at Spark Point. And, you know, there's so much 
like sexual tension between Tobin and um, Leaf that <laughs> they just never explore. And I for a show that like acts like up until the racism becomes a thing, like races don't matter. We have all these people. Like I almost expected half for them to just casually be bisexual or poly pan or whatever. And we never went there. So when George came, I was like, are we finally going to see someone of a non-straight perspective in this office? And we didn't. I mean, they never went there with any of them. And I was very confused because on top of racism in that space and also the lack of women in that space, it is a very straight field. Like you don't hear like tech owners who are gay. You don't hear about video game designers and coders who are gay. It's just not something that gets a lot of time and it would have been interesting to explore that and i really liked george i wanted them to like actually give him stuff because i knew he was a singer and so i was like oh great and then he doesn't really get a moment i didn't know that actor was a singer don't get me totally on i knew him from the magicians ah, but okay. a very different oh, character very different. so when he was when he showed up on this little dog and pony show i was just like ooh fascinating and you know it, it explores a talent that i didn't know that he had also can we take a minute to talk about his dance skills because he's actually got them and he was so great in some of those group numbers i was like yes yeah. go george did it feel like there were more dance movementography this season than there was last season and i'm gonna say something controversial i actually hated most of the choreography this season i mean it it's it's that weird, not modern dance, but like sort of lyrical and modern that you're just like, I don't understand. I just, for doing. all the solos, and, and it was still Mandy Moore, right? Was it yes. Mandy Moore all yes. season? Um, for all of the solos, like I bought it in season one because a lot of those solos and duets, which ended up being like pas de deux, made sense from a, from a modern lyrical whatever. But this season, especially because we started to really get stuff from different time periods and genres, I was like, why is every solo, especially with Simon's character, why does it look like I'm watching a dance workshop at a dance school? That's what it felt like to me. And like, I'm watching, you know, the final performances of the graduating class or something like that, you know? Um, it was a lot. Yeah, I, think, I felt that. <laughs> I feel like John Clarence Stewart may have a style if you binge watch the show, you see that he has his own movement and rhythm. Special expressions. And... Yeah, and I don't know if that's him or if that's the choreography, but the same could be said about famous dancers of the past, i.e. Gene Kelly and Fred Astaire. Oh, sure, 100%. Where, where you lay, overlay their movies and you're like, it's the same dance moves that you're doing. 100%. So... Yeah, what was interesting <laughs> to me about it was, and I mentioned this a little bit in season one, Mandy Moore choreographed La La Land, which is one of my least favorite movies of all time. And I actually, I've been a fan of Mandy Moore's work for a long time. And La La Land, for me, was not her best. And I was really um, kind of saddened by it. But it has given her a platform for all that it is um, to right. do other things and to do things like uh, Zoe and how I was so happy in season one to see some of that original, I shouldn't say original, but some of that spark that I would get when I would watch her early work 
I felt like season two kind of steered towards the La La Land version of her work. And I didn't like that. But I will say that the sequence with Crazy was spectacular. I was so impressed with that. I, oh, that, that was really great. And I actually really liked the closing to act, to, sorry, act, mm. to season two. Um, I, with that group sequence that was supposed to be at the Golden Gate Bridge, and I'm pretty sure it was all green screened, but, um, she's <laughs> fine. Everything's fine. Um, I actually really liked that sequence, especially cause it kind of, lent itself to this like change of attitude and change of like the rules so to speak and I felt like that storytelling existed in the movement um but yeah I agree Bobby it wasn't this season the choreography was just different I I just like one one that really sticks out if I think it just doesn't work and there's a lot of moments I don't think it works was New York State of Mind and I was like mm. why is why is every song also contemporary dance like to me that's when you get creative and all of a sudden Skylar Aston's playing the piano you know there is a piano in that location why are we not seeing him transform like why are we not seeing these songs given performance styles that reflect the genres that we're seeing. Why is it always contemporary mm. modern dance, whether it's a 70s pop song, whether it's a country song, whether it's Katy Perry and Rihanna, you know what I mean? It just, I was like, where, where are, where are we getting like awesome lighting? Like where is Mo getting to be like a jazz singer? Where's, where is Mo getting to be a club singer? Like where are we, why, why aren't we exploring different ways of showing performance on screen? if we're going to show vocally and musically these different styles, right? That's, I, I thought it was really bizarre. It felt very repetitive. Do we think part of that is because the showrunner is not from the world of musicals? So I thought about that. Cause I'm like, well, this show is not really musical theater cause they don't do theater music, mm-hmm. but right. you know, New York state of mind, that's very much let's sit at the piano. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I don't think we should go full musical theater with it, but like, Another one that I just thought was so didn't hit the mark was Hard Knock Life. The choreography, like, yeah, almost. What? <laughs> but what? What? <laughs> it just it was like so in their hands and almost dictating the lyrics they were singing. And I'm like, look, everyone has seen the movie Annie. So like, what stuff can they pull at their desk to recreate buckets and mops? You know what I mean? Like, let's pay tribute to the song. Going back to Mandy Moore, she mm-hmm. did direct an episode this season. And I love that. That's I right. love that they let her do that because Which one was it? I'm gonna I want you to guess. Which one do you think it was? I wanna say it was the one about postpartum. No. Oh. Burn it was, no. It it was Zoe's Extraordinary Double Date, and that's the one that has New York State of Mind in it. Oh, <laughs> the really? most awkward episode. Yeah, well, Yes and no. <laughs> there were still other awkward moments, uh, awkward episodes. This well, I mean, like, it was meant to be awkward because, like, she yeah. goes crazy. Yeah. Like, she does all the things that you have seen yourself do at some point in your life, but not so compressed together. And you just sit there and it's like watching a car crash. And you're like, I can't oh, look and- away, but I know it's going to happen. Oh, this is so rough. I can't. I'm so sorry. Oh, God. Oh, in that 
like musical number at the run of them all in costume. I forget what musical number it is, Johnny. You're gonna have to tell me. Um, uh, that one was. Don't so stop weird. me now. Don't stop me now. And I was like, I was like, where, where is the tribute to Patricia Birch? And for those who don't know, yes. Patricia Birch choreographed all a lot of Sondheim, but also the original Grease, and she directed Grease too. I was like, this should look like we go together, and it doesn't look like Grease, and it bothers me so much because this number should feel like Olivia Newton-John, John Travolta, and the rest of that cast at the carnival at the end of Greece. That's what this number is supposed to be mimicking, and it doesn't. And it felt so off to me that I was uncomfortable because I wanted, because they all sounded great, and I love the costumes. But the choreography was wrong. It was wrong. Now that I think about it, I don't know if it's awkward laughing, but at the end of the song where Zoe joins in on the clapping, I did laugh at that because... It's just so odd. <laughs> and like, I know we had a long discussion about what the rules are for her powers. So yes. I'm just sitting there like, what is she act? Th- this is obviously her thinking that she's uh, sitting on Simon's shoulders clapping. <laughs> so what's... I, I was so taken out of it. I was like, wait, what? Like, are they not? Because they're not, they're not seeing this. So is she on Simon's shoulders? Like, what are the rules? Now I'm taking the pin out and let's chat about it real quick. Cause like season one, we had a Zoe's powers are defective and that's the one where she's singing herself and no, like she's not hearing other people's songs. Right. And then this season it was, she didn't help Alice Lee's character and that's why all the songs are crisscrossed. Right. So what did you guys like think of this episode and the songs that they picked? I thought it was fascinating and I really loved the mashups and again, Alice Lee's work in that, in that sequence in the nurseries, just ugh, stunning, beautiful. I can't handle it. Um, but it was so much fun. There's just so much that ga- that happened this season. Overall, what would you guys grade it? If you had to grade it, what are we grading it with? Like it's a test, you know, like ABCD plus minus whatever, but I never asked this question. And while I was watching it, I was just like, ooh, this one needs to be like graded by people because it's rough. It's all over the place. When it's good, it's great. When it's awful, it's garbage. I'd have to give it like a B minus. That's what I was thinking. See, that was the first. I was going to say B minus as well. I was going to change it to a B because I wanted to give it enough of a reason for like the dean or the principal to be like, well, we should pass it. For next season you know what i mean let's see what they've got i feel like if you got a b minus like you're it's on the fence passing. right that's true you're still passing you're still passing i mean it left itself with a lot of unanswered questions i hope it mm. does get a season three personally mm-hmm. i know we, i think last episode i haven't re-listened to it so sorry everyone if you know you're yelling at me through your headphones or whatever but uh i think we guessed it would be somewhere between like four seasons for this show yeah but i feel like if they just give it one more season just to close the book on it i think that's all they need it doesn't have to be left open-ended like it is well yeah because they taken max and max now doesn't have a bookend um, because of the ending of season two so had he gone to new york that could, they could have just left it there you know um yes. like which i thought is i thought that's what was gonna happen and it looked like that last scene was filmed much later than the rest of the episode. But that's just my two cents. 
Yeah, I don't want it to go to the like soap opera place that Smash went because that was why I very quickly stopped watching it. I was like, and now we've become the <laughs> archetypal theater people that everyone thinks we are. Right. Well done. Walk away. Everybody just walk away. We've derailed. Let's go into Sharp and Flat, shall we? Yes. Sharp Flat. So we talked a lot about the season and not enough, I think. I mean, there's still some things that we haven't really touched upon, but uh, in this section, we're going to highlight some moments, whether or not we talked about them. If we like them, it's sharp. And if we didn't like it, it's flat. Who wants to go first? Bubby. No, Christina, you're going first. Okay. I've already said what my favorite was. My favorite sharp was um, the postpartum sequence. Okay. And I also, I should also add to that. I really loved that <laughs> the scene in the club where she starts lactating and then goes into the bathroom and has a bow. Oh, that was oh. funny. Oh boy. Oh, the amount of times that all of a sudden would be like, why do I feel wet? Oh, there you, there you oh. go. <laughs> so it spoke to you. On a- it spoke to me. It spoke to me on so many levels. So that's your sharp. That is my sharp on all the sharps. I apparently had a lot and I didn't really realize that. Well, first and foremost, Alex Newell. Like, can we just bow down to him? Everything. Sharp, sharp, sharp. Sharps all the way from his, his looks to his singing to his acting. Like, just give that guy an Emmy or whatever the accolades are. I really loved that we got to hear more of Alice Lee and her singing and her being a songbird. I know you guys didn't like it, but I really like John Clarence Stewart's dance style. Okay. I want I I want him in a movie, a musical movie. I, okay. I want to see him in one. Can we manifest it? Yes. Yes. Is there one that you have in mind? No, I don't care, but I want him to sing and dance. I want him to be like a Fred Astaire or Gene Kelly character in a movie where he sings and dances every goddamn scene. <laughs> and that's that's it. That's all I need. That's all I need in my life. See, I'll throw this one out there. Like, he is of the age where he could play both young and old, but it would be an interesting casting. Him as Buddy and Follies, but as both. Old Ooh. and young. I, I'm just throwing that out there. Because could you imagine him singing Buddy's Blues? He would be wonderful. Oh, he would yeah. be wonderful i'm here for it i i would love to see a follies movie first of all period i don't care who's in it confused as to how that hasn't happened yet oh they have tried well you know that you know the legendaries in the 70s i'm gonna spill some tea for your listeners johnny this is where bobby gets like idiot savant on everyone (laughs) they almost did a movie version in the 70s with all of the original mgm movie stars like mickey rooney and liz taylor and all of them and instead of being in a crumbling Broadway theater, it was going to be a movie uh, movie studio being torn down. And they were literally going to recreate scenes from their youth and hire actors who looked like young Mickey Rooney and Liz Taylor. And it was going to be like super slit your wrists, like watching these actual aged MGM performers like be bitter about like life post the oh, MGM shit. years. So it almost happened in the 70s. So it was going to be a completely different screenplay with Stephen Sondheim's songs. I also did like Tobin getting a little more of a range and then hooking up with Mackenzie because I feel like that bettered his character in a bit. Yeah. 
I wrote down Zoe's Extraordinary Mystery, which is that episode where her powers go wonka-doodle. That was a great episode. And as well as Zoe's Extraordinary Session, which is the In the Past episode. Okay. The penultimate one. Right. And then there are some songs and their scenes that I want to shout out. Hold on to your horses. It's a lot of them. Poison, Take Me Out to the Ball Game slash I'll Make Love to You, followed by <laughs> a moment one. like this. That whole section <gasps> was so many emotions. And then when a moment like this happens, where they have like the swell of music when he's singing and it's no music when she's singing, I was just gobsmacked and I loved it. I loved Juice, Starships. Mm which was the one where this from even from the beginning when she's like, I wonder who's going to sing it. <gasps> it's me. Like <laughs> that part just kills me. I love the Fox. I hate the song personally, but like the way that they did it was just so very well done. Overwhelmed, which is the one with Noah Galvin and Becca Tobin. Oh, that was Noah, wasn't it? That was yeah. Noah. I did like Don't Stop Me Now. And as well as I lived and I melt with you, which is the last song of the season. The set, yeah. Okay. I lived was the one where Peter Gallagher comes back and I'm in tears watching it. Yeah. Although it's fascinating. Little known fact. I do like the show Glee. Problematic though it is. I do like the show. And this season, a lot of the songs that they picked were in all of Glee. Yes. Yes. the last song of Glee was I Lived. Was so, it really? Yes, it was. <laughs> I never. I didn't get that far into Glee. I didn't either. Oh, season six was such a shit show and I loved it. <laughs> oh, Ryan Murphy. My sharps, I had a lot of similar sharps to y'all. I mean, I don't think that enough could be said about Alice Lee. And I'm so excited to see where her career goes in Hollywood. Uh, and also back on Broadway, because I hope that she does journey back. She's got a much bigger paintbrush than the theater community let her show before. So I hope that she gets to utilize that. Um, the actress who played uh, Jenna, uh, I thought was fantastic. And mm. I love that character. That was a sharp for me. was sad to see that kind of fizzle out. I think the entire supporting cast, I mean, even Mary Steenburgen, I thought was a better written character. I think she felt more comfortable in this show uh, in the season two, both with just being back on television again. I really enjoyed the Kelly Clarkson moment like this. That's, I think, the closest it got to, I think, the most beautiful moment in season one, which was the Deaf West episode, where it really allowed their storytellingness of Zoe's drama to really exceed expectations. And for her to do that with Max, even though Max couldn't hear the heart song he was singing, was beautiful. And I think oh, it was staged so well. And Mandy Moore didn't get in the way of them doing this ridiculous, like modern, like touching the sky, whatever. I mean, it's just a lot of panning around them. And every time it spins, which is classic, I'm going to throw back to Brian De Palma, the Carrie movie. You know, I mean, it's a classic Brian De Palma and everybody's copied him, but that's a classic, like I'm falling in love with you moment in cinema. And to, to take this show, to take an iconic way to present something and to see it done so well i think was awesome i wanted to see more more moments like that you know um what are some other sharps the songs i actually liked a lot of the songs this season and maybe because ryan murphy was smart enough to include them all on glee because they're they were good songs i mean they made sense some of them were predictable like i had a feeling that starships was going to happen and it happened and of course not there's nothing more that could be said 
about Alex Newell's amazingness and um, needs to win all of the awards for this project and going forward because such a light yes. that Hollywood is allowing Alex to exist as Alex, you know, which yeah. is huge. Um, is and huge. I, I hope that that continues to happen uh, both on stage and off, you know what I mean? For him as a performer. So those are my sharps. Those are my sharps. I Can do I have... circle back real quick? Oh yeah. You circle back and then I'm going to circle back to another okay. sharp. <laughs> a sharp that I have for like the show as a whole including all seasons of it is I really appreciate that they went and found the best person for the job, even if they aren't well-known. It was a show that gave a lot of people a spotlight that they didn't have before. And as a struggling working actor, I have a lot of admiration for that because for anyone who isn't doing it, you know, it's really difficult. And we have so much talent in this, in our industry, both uh, theater and film TV. And so it makes it very difficult to break through all of that wonderful noise sometimes. And it's very difficult for the gatekeepers to be willing to break through that noise to find someone that they don't know necessarily. And so to see them willing to do that and step outside of their comfort zone was really exciting for me. And I really, I have a lot of admiration for the team or whoever made those decisions and okayed all of that. I really, it's not normal at all. <laughs> yeah. My last sharp that I didn't write down, but I just remembered. I have this thing when it comes to people wearing costumes in movies and TV, because like we're supposed to believe that they made them, but they look professionally done. Right. But like the race, I fucking love that you they went to Party City or wherever Obsessed. for those costumes. Or like they made it themselves and you can tell. Uh, so every once in a while in some episodes, I have a thing that I call a natural, which is neither a shot nor a oh. flat, but I do want mm. to point it out. And in this one, it's cheap thrills and rich girl. <laughs> like, <laughs> I didn't love them. I didn't hate them. But I just wanted to just be like, they happened and hammer that Bernadette Peters sang a Sia song. Like, <laughs> just Oh, like, it's not Rihanna. Sia. Oh my gosh. Sia. Rihanna. Like, let and, that sink in for a second. She sang a Sia song and then duetted on a Gwen Stefani song. I, like, and the first rain, time made it rain with some cash. It made it rain with cash. To me, that just, I'll give it a natural. I mean, that might have been one of my flats, but like, uh, to me, that's like a Ryan Murphy moment. And it makes me wonder is Ryan Murphy like uncredited on this series? Because that's like getting Jessica Lange to sing some of the weird shit she does on Freak Show. You know what I mean? That was like Bernie being like, you're going to sing Cheap Thrills. Okay. Like, here we go. What were your flats? Christina, you want to start again? I mean, there was a lot of the Bernadette singing moments that were flats for me. <laughs> Which, again, I don't understand how that happened. <laughs> All of her scene work was good and lovely and, like, she's great in it and was written well. But then all of her song choices, I just was... I, there were a couple moments where I was like, is this happening? Did this happen? Is this the choice they're making? Mm -hmm. I'm confused. Who said yes to this? Look, and I am all for an off-the-wall choice. I am. 
anyone who's ever seen me do a show before, that is all I ever do. But I just, it didn't work at all. So there was that. Some of the other ones was, I again, I don't think the Australian kid would have had as big of a role if it hadn't been COVID. And that sequence at the end of his storyline where he sings a really creepy song to her in front of everyone Ooh. at her birthday party. I wrote that acts down. Like it's not a big deal. And I was like, what choices are we making? Like, is he a creeper or is he, I don't understand. Maybe how I, old is he first? How, was, well, how old also is he? That... Because she's turning 30, but most of the cast is in their mid thirties. Like Skylar Aston is my age. And I know that they're all playing younger and I get that. But then how old is he? That's my in question. In real life, he's like 25. He I feel was like on Neighbors be... for a long time in, in Australia and he's done a bunch of stuff. I feel like he was but... supposed to be 20, 21. Okay. So but like... then how did she grow up knowing him? He's the chubby little Australian boy. She said that. I'm so, yeah, but like, I, it didn't make any sense. I, I thought it was very loose and didn't work. And yeah. that song, by the way, is called Crimson Love. And I also wrote it down as a flat because oh. it's so awkward and it's supposed to be, but like, yeah, they accomplished it. Too awkward. For the original song, again, Glee did original songs too, but like for the original song of this season, it's so. It also like uh, comes out of nowhere. We were talking about other stuff, and then all of a sudden he shows up and he's in love with her. And I'm like, wait a minute, when did that happen? When they were gallivanting down. Yeah, but that's like two episodes before we get to this moment. So I'm like, when did this happen? Well, I missed the in-between connector. (laughs) I think they could have been much more genuine with that moment and it still end the way that it did. Like, I agree with you for the one original song we get this season. And she has this moment it's my birthday and everyone's singing to about how they want to kiss everybody else. Nobody's singing to me. I would have loved for it to be something genuine for her to be genuinely confused. Is this a re- happening in real life or is this a heart song? But then for her to be like, no, I'm just not interested. You're too young. Like I, it was, it made me uncomfortable. <laughs> when I rewatched it for us recording, part of me was thinking and agree, disagree, whatever you guys may say. I feel like they should have taken the year off and worked more on the story and scripts. Mm. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, the reality of what I yeah happens. What, yeah, with TV and everything, it, it's not that doesn't happen. That's not a thing. Maybe if it had been, already been an existing streaming show, they could have taken more time to do that because they're on their own schedules. I mean, they follow the streaming structure, but it does feel like season two was one thing and then COVID happened and they had to quickly make changes. That's a little more what I meant. Like when COVID hit, I don't know if they could have taken a little more time to marinate and like make it come out during now, you know, the summer of 21. I feel like they needed another minute. Well, they had already just started to... filming before COVID. Oh, really? Oh, really? I think that they had filmed the first episode pre-COVID and then had to stop. Uh, and then had to pick up in COVID. I believe oh, wow. I could be really wrong, but I think that's what happened. I'm going to believe you. And no one has corrected me on anything yeah, I've right. said on this thing. So yeah. I'm so. happy to be corrected, but I, I, 
want to say that was a thing. Do you have any other flats, Christina? I think that one of my other flats was getting rid of Jenna. I think that the character should have been kept in the whole season and it would have brought a lot more life to it. And kind of along the lines of Alice Lee's journey, I don't feel like they actually wrapped that up and properly. I don't want to say the solution because postpartum depression does not just go somewhere. You know, it's not necessarily a solution to it, except working through it and going to therapy and like doing the thing. But we just saw her break down and then there was no resolve to the breakdown. And that, to me, cheapened her work. Alice or the sister? Alice, sorry. But I think that the sister, Jenna, could have, if they had kept her in it longer jenna would have become part of that solution that yes you know but she, did, she didn't have to be in every episode of the season but i feel like no if they kept her around and brought her in every once in a while then yeah and like her and maggie could have had like a makeup episode where you know they both apologize while being wasted on red wine or whatever hmm. um but yeah. Maybe she goes to the casino with Bernadette and her. That would be hilarious. Right? And she's and it and Rich Girl turns into a trio. Look, Gwen Stefani did it. <laughs> that that would be a, a good trio. <laughs> I I felt the same way though about George getting fired. Like was yeah, so, that like, felt what weird. What was the point? Why did you even bring him on then? For like four episodes. He could have done more. He didn't have to be there the whole time. Or he could have come back later and, like, helped Maximo or something. Like, it, you could have done many things. Granted, he's also, like, a busy actor, so I get it. I was expecting him to come back and be the problem solved for the issues they were having with the app itself. Mm. Like, Ooh. I thought George was going to come back and help Skylar Aston's character figure, figure it out. Because he needed another brain right like he basically said that he's like well i'm so used to having a team to work with and i was like give him a team and so i was like bring george (laughs) give him george i also didn't like i'm gonna equate her to a musical uh number uh zoe how she was just like the song new philosophy from good man (laughs) just like why why did you Every episode, it was like something new and different. And she, in like Zoe's Extraordinary Trip, she actually calls it her new philosophy. And I'm just like, no, no. But they didn't even do the song. I was like, at that point. I know, right? They might as well. <laughs> like, come on. And then how Zoe's only content when she's in a relationship. Like, that's not. Ugh. Uh, yeah. that, I also missed opportunity with her therapist. That actor's incredible and hilarious and like was basically treated like a co-star and had no like he didn't get to do any of what he's so brilliant at. And he got no heart songs. He got no I was I was ready for it, Bobby. I was so ready. Especially when they did that heart song in the waiting room. I was like, oh, it's gonna happen. <laughs> it's gonna happen. I'm gonna get to see this. You know, I watched it when it came out like a few months ago and then I binged it just for this episode. But I could have sworn I remember Zoe actually telling Simon about her ability. I, I obviously I'm wrong because she never she doesn't. 
but like i feel like she should have right yeah i i I, thought that was gonna be the wrap-up yeah i i thought that to me better writing would have been max not necessarily i mean granted they had that flashback so clearly they had to do max being end game but i thought it would have been interesting for her to tell simon her secret and for simon to act very differently than max did to kind of show them as being two very different males in her life because they have in other ways because max had a very negative reaction to and was very uncomfortable with the hard songs and it's almost like they were building up for simon to hear it and almost like simon was like wanting to hear it like he knew i mean he kind of even said it's like i feel like she always knows what i'm thinking you know what i mean yeah like i almost feel like in another universe she did tell him and he did react more positive than max did you know um but that would have meant continuing their relationship which is clearly not the direction they planned on going i I just feel like it was also a missed opportunity for that kind of a reaction whether it was when they were dating or when they're friends like yeah hopefully in season three wink wink nudge nudge people but like the way they leave things, if I were Simon, I wouldn't have much interest in being very close with her moving forward. You know, he has his own career path and she's really let him down a lot and also clearly doesn't understand what he goes through as a black man in this world and in this field. It's almost like if in season three, I would almost appreciate if the writers would allow him to grow singularly without Zoe, like and allow her to grow without him as well. You know what I mean? Like, I hated that, that, I don't know. You're finishing your flats, but one of my flats is just, why did every every aspect of Zoe have to involve a man? Being her dad, being Max, being Mo, being Simon. You know what I mean? Every aspect of her personality was totally because of a man. You know, it was never for herself, nothing. None of it was. That's very fascinating. I didn't even think of that. Again, going back to having a male showrunner for a female-centric show. Yeah. Uh, oh. God damn it. Do, you, do you, any of you have any other foot sharps, flats? My biggest flat, you know, Mandy Moore's choreography this season. Like, <laughs> <laughs> It worked in season one. I appreciated it. It did go a little la-la land for me. This season, I just thought there were so many missed opportunities to show these musical numbers in a variety of different ways, and I just don't think we went there. Um, yeah, and across the board, I think all the female characters didn't... I don't think any of them were allowed to grow in significant ways that didn't involve men. And I thought from Mary Steinbergen's character maggie to even alice's character she had this beautiful arc with the baby but a lot of the season was still about her relationship with you know david the brother like like i just don't think even Mackenzie, who i was like yes we're getting these like proud female coders who have now gotten onto the fourth floor and as much as i enjoyed seeing tobin humanize more it came at Mackenzie's folly you know what i mean like all of a sudden she becomes subservient to him and his romantic needs you know what i mean like i just i hated that they put every single female character in the show have storylines that were directly related to the men in their lives i feel that way about most things on television there you go would you add any of these songs to your life's playlist yes i uh there are a couple that i i was like 
oh, I would, I would very much like to explore the way that they their point of view on this song. One of which was uh, the fox, and ah. um, <laughs> I just I love how they they turn that on its head. And also, I don't even remember the name of it, but the song that Alice Lee sings in the um the nursery. In the nursery. I don't remember which one that was. Anyone. Right. That's right. Um, yeah, I I love that. And I also really, I pretty much just loved all of Alice Lee's track in this season. So, like, I would just take all of those songs. And The Fox. And The Fox. <laughs> I mean, The Fox is already, like, part of my life song. So, <laughs> I mean, little known fact, apparently I was one of the first, like, 7,000 people to watch that video on YouTube. They remind me sometimes. So someone suggested it very early on was like, Bobby, you're going to love this. And then I don't, apparently I'm partly responsible for the Fox becoming. It's all Bobby's fault. Damn it, Bobby. You know, it's, you know, it's funny. The Fox was also on Glee and they sang it with puppets. That makes more sense. Like I just, I need (laughs) I need puppets and people in full on. I mean, I need the music video of that song to be my life song. But um, that one, I mean, Don't Stop Me Now is also part of my regular like life playlist. It's a running track in my head. What are some other heart songs that really, as much as we give it crap, I mean, Cheap Thrill, like I don't need dollar bills to have fun tonight. That's another one that, that, I I relate to um, Christina is just like no. Um, what are some other ones? I mean, I constantly find myself in a New York state of mind. I don't think it was well done on the show, but the sentiment behind that scene and, and what they were trying to convey, I find myself sometimes even just like staring a little bit too long at something that I'm like, do I wish I was in New York City right now? Yeah, I'm I'm I miss it. I get over it, please. Like I get over it. But those would be the ones. What about you, Johnny? Like, what are yours? I would listen to all of them, even the ones that I shit on. Like, okay, I have a whole Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist playlist. Okay, where I have all the songs from seasons one and two, sure. and sometimes I just put it on shuffle and just have fun. Okay, I love that. Yeah, I the arrangements in this song in general are really great. Ninety percent of the time yes Um, which is very that's hard to come by in a television show that is musicalized i mean i didn't feel that way about glee and i didn't feel that way about smash even though smash was original music so it was it something that they do very well on zoe's is you know there's this constant conversation about the modern movie musical and how you want to make it realistic. And this is what would actually happen if people broke into song, except Mm -hmm. like that's not reality in any way, shape or form. You know, the closest I think they came with a movie musical recently would probably be Les Mis. I know no one likes Les Mis from the Broadway industry. I personally preferred it to the stage show. I know heresy. We can talk about it later, but, um, (laughs) I I think that what this show does really well is ground some of these overly dramatized things. And I'm sure that a big part of that is, is the catalyst of the show where she has these heart songs, but it feels genuine and grounded and like it should be presented in the way it's being presented. Right. 
I agree that most of the arrangements in season two, I think are, are fantastic of these songs. I think the songs that really don't work are the musical theater numbers because it's too much synth. Uh, their limited band just makes things like Hello Dolly and Hard Knock Life sound not great. And like with Hard Knock Life, you have like all of the like background doodle do 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 doodle do 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 done on a synthesizer, and you're like, why this is awkward? And there's like awkward silence because they're not singing, so you're hearing this weird instrumental bit, and it's like either just make it like the pop version of Hard Knock Life or pick another song i think a show that i think gets it being a musical tv series better and people will probably fight me on this i think crazy ex-girlfriend because it's clearly done by people who love musicals a lot and it's not afraid to be a musical at all fucking love that show so we've come to the end of this episode hooray Yay. <laughs> i hope you guys have stuff to plug Oh, yeah, we've got plenty to plug. <laughs> yes, well, uh, my favorite flop is back as of a August week 3rd. ago. August 3rd. August 3rd, yeah. And uh, we are back with Act 2, which means we are, the script is changing. Like, it is not my favorite flop as you knew it earlier this year. Um, what? what? I'm excited to hear about this. I mean, <laughs> like, it's changing a bit. Like Yes. Our, Our first, first episode back is definitely a doozy. It's a doozy and we get into some serious stuff. Actually, some similar territory that we cover on here. You know, we can talk about that because it's been released at this point. We talk about a show called A Broadway Musical. That's actually what it's called. And it deals with um, race issues. And the show was on Broadway in 1978. And it's a lot of the same things we're talking about in 2021. So, Oh, shit. Yeah, we go serious in our act two opening. Um, but also the show I'll... within the show is called Sneakers, so it's not all serious. Okay. <laughs> so wait, it's a show called Broadway Musical, and they're doing a show called Sneaker within... Sneakers, uh, yes. Sneakers within a Broadway Musical. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Clearly I have not heard this episode yet because I have Charles no idea what Strauss. you're talking about. But oh boy. Oh boy. No, wait, it's interesting. It's so... It's it's definitely different than what we've done before. And our second episode back really flips Breaks. the script. Breaks um, all the rules. Because. And, and so your podcast is every other week? Yes. 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 Okay. So, so this is in between <laughs> your two episodes. It is. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so episode and, 14 uh, gets released next week, uh, August 17th. Uh, and last episode, you guys gave a a clue or a hint to what's going to happen. Do you have a new one or are we repeating the same clue? No, we have a new one. So just in case you skipped Zoe season one, the clue was both of these musicals are based on Academy Award winning foreign films. Our bonus clue, and just to pause for a second, it's because we're covering two shows for the first time in one episode. So. Ooh. Ooh. Our bonus clue uh, that only listeners of your podcast, uh, Johnny, are going to get to hear is that Selma Hayek starred in the workshop of one of these musicals, musical, like she sang in it. So At Lincoln Center. With like Broadway legends also in the cast with her. Oh my God. So And another person that will blow your mind when you go read the clue on Twitter. Yes. Okay, I don't want to ask any more questions because that'll ma- that might give it away. Uh, but where can people find you, podcast, and your socials and all that? 
Well, our podcast can be found anywhere you listen to podcasts, but we love it when you go and listen to it on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review because it helps us make more. <laughs> yes, we're very popular in Lebanon right now, actually. We are. We're like it's, top 10. It's like a wow. big Wow. I know. Shocking. Not in the U.S., but in Lebanon. Hey, man, we're in like the top 100 most of the time in the U.S. I'd say that's pretty good. Yeah, I, I think I cracked at like 200 something in the U.S. at one point. <laughs> I think you've cracked higher than that. I've looked. I think you've cracked higher than that. Really? Oh. I think definitely in the top 200, but I think I've seen you. Like, I got to check my chartable yeah, then. got to check chartable. Yes. And your uh, your website is? www.myfavoriteflop.com, where we have our new merch store because you can buy my favorite flop merchandise now um it is officially available <laughs> shirts mugs water bottles stickers um my so flopaholic shirt is pretty great and so it was carrie and friends that we was have, we good. have a couple lines and we may we may introduce some more uh over the fall um and then of course on all the socials at my favorite flop uh, and that's twitter instagram facebook and tiktok where you can hear all about um christina's ping pong adventure so uh, and if you want to reach out to the podcast, to my podcast about anything, uh, Zoe's extraordinary playlist related, or to correct us on something that we said wrong, finally, like you know, I'm willing to read corrections. You can email me at buttersongpod at gmail dot com. I'm on. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at buttersongpod. And tune in next ep- next. I can talk. Tune in next episode where we're going to talk about rent. <gasps> yes Ooh. it's a journey it was a journey to talk about that one <laughs> so I, I we have to figure out how to get you guys to come back on and maybe not talk about maybe talk about zoe season three if it happens or a different topic entirely <laughs> oh we're happy to talk about a different topic always i i feel like next time we should talk about like go with like the theme of your podcast and find like a super flop of a movie and talk about oh there's oh. been a couple <laughs> there's, there's been a lot yes we'll figure, we'll figure it, it out, out. In, our, in our email chain but uh until next time everyone have a wonderful day bye for now bye bye Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to CastBox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day.